I would like to take a well-known agarta we've learned from our childhood, but own it for ourselves on a new level, on a mature level, by creatively tracing this agarta back to its source, and thereby appreciate the gravitas of agaratas, of statements of Chazal, how they are not loose sentimental musings of Chazal the sages, but come from an expansive, thematic understanding of Torah. The Gemara teaches us here on Sota, Yeralaf from the Beis. Bischarnasim tzikani yeshahayu ba'osa adar negu Yisrael mi Mitzrayim. Klal Yisrael merited to leave Mitzrayim, the Jewish people merited redemption in, in the merit of the righteous women. What did these righteous women do? They joined their husbands laboring in the field. They washed their husbands. They lathered their husbands. They fed their husbands and drew them close to marital intimacy between the edges of the fields. This act, say, says the Gemara, is the schus ha the merit of redemption. This shalom bias, this heartwarming closeness between husband and wife. Now, we don't normally associate Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim with shalom bias. We see it as a story of slavery, building pyramids, a story of Makos, of ten plagues. Yet Chazal see the Shalom bias, this issue of family, as the essence of redemption, the merit of redemption. Let's trace where this comes from. Let's go back to basics, the opening Shemos narrative, describing why slavery happened in the first place. Why did Paro enslave the night Yisrael? A fresh read of the text reveals that Paro was not motivated by labor procurement, cheap labor to build monuments to his glory, or anything which generally motivates slavery. He was actually motivated by something much more sinister. Slavery was a vile reaction to the Jewish birthright. The Jewish population grew larger and stronger, and Paro feared this population growth. We need to contain this Jewish people, lest they will join our enemy when we are attacked. And hence he enslaved them by these psukim lay bare that Paro sought to curtail the rapid multiplication of foreigners, B'nai Yisrael, a potential fifth column. Mifarshim, such as Balaturim and the Ritvah, in his commentary to the Haggadah, explained that his slavery was a sadistic program of population control to render B'nai Yisrael impotent through constraining labor. Since his aim was not economic reproduction, but a physiological breakdown of his slaves, we understand the Torah's depiction of his agenda as Lamana Noso in order to afflict them. Mitzrayim did not seek financial gain, but tortured their slaves to render them infertile. In fact, Chazal, the sages, even identify the assigned work as a feudal endeavor, con constructing unstable edifices, which would sink and fall, as we saw in the Amid Aleph here in Sota. This read about birth control stares us right in the face, yet it surprises us because it challenges some of our primary assumptions of what Egyptian slavery is all about. Yet perhaps without taking great note of it, we have always given voice to this understanding of the story. In the Haggadah, the Haggadah interprets the Pasuk Anyenu, our affliction to mean, Zu Precious 
This is the prevention of marital union. In a vacuum, the statement is strange, but in context with everything we have observed, it actually captures splendidly everything which the Pesukim describe. Hindrance of family life is the focus and the very core of Pyrrhus' persecution. With this understanding in place, so many details of the story fall right into place. For example, the Medrash teaches that the men were forced to sleep at the building site to bar them from returning home to their wives. See Shmos Rabbah. This domestic disruption driving a wedge between husband and wife is yet another manifestation of Pyrrha's primary goal. This is not the common slavery story we learn in general history at all. It is its own unique phenomena. We need a guard against subliminal comparisons we make to other stories of human serfdom. To do justice to this story of slavery in Mitzrayim in its own unique context and let it speak for itself. We need to continue to study the Pesukim and feel the pulse of the text and Shmos carefully. Immediately following Paro's initial imposition of slavery, the Torah showcases B'nai Yisrael's continued population spurt, despite persecution, and the Mitzrim's resulting annoyance. As they were afflicted, so they grew, so the Egyptians became disgusted from B'nai Yisrael. Don't we feel the, ta- the tension rising in the story? We can appreciate the Mitzrim's annoyance with entirely new sensitivity. Their entire program aimed at stunting reproduction had inversely spawned growth. Furthermore, now we can appreciate the meaning of the Torah's next passage immediately following the Mitzrim's frustration. It describes the imposition of a new, whole new level of servitude. With body-breaking work, they embitter their lives with hard work. Body-breaking, embitterment. These are new expressions that we did not find in the original Shmos narrative of slavery, which simply spoke of Sarimisim Lamananoso, taskmasters in order to afflict them. But now we feel the intensified pulse of the text. This is what this was in fact a second phase of slavery, a phase of greater intensity based on the Mitzvah's annoyance over Bnei Yisrael's continued growth despite the slavery. They doubled down on the level of persecution in the hope that more would achieve what less had not. They remained systemically dedicated to their original goal of slavery as a weapon to target family life. In short, the opening slavery narrative of Shemos seamlessly resounds as a slavery story like no other. What was in the Mitzram crosshair, crosshairs? Simply our ability to perpetuate unique Jewish family. There is a further dimension to Mitzrayim's persecution of family life, one that is even more per- perfidious than the physical separation of husband and wife. By crushing B'nai Yisrael's spirit, slavery squelched the healthy, holy, natural drive for marital relationships for intimacy. This is an even deeper intrusion into marital life, which is powerfully brought to life by Chazal's portrayal of the extreme degree of feminine initiation which was necessary to lure their husbands into marital intimacy. You have, for example, our Gemara here in Sota. The the righteous women joined their laboring husbands in the fields. They washed them, lathered them, fed them, and drew them close between the edges of the fields. You also have a statement of Rashi in Sefer Shmos Paraklam and Ches Pasach Ches regarding the Maros Hatsovos, the, the mirrors. 
stating as follows, the women used mirrors to beautify themselves. Each woman displayed a mirror, and as the couple gazed at their joint image, she teased him, saying, I am more beautiful than you. Thus she enticed him to a physical union, conceived and gave birth. Wives had to tenderly care for their husbands and make themselves alluring, since their weary, laboring men were drained of all desire for intimacy. The husbands had fallen prey to the Egyptian scheme to render their natural drive dormant, and so curtail reproduction. The men would have totally succumbed were it not for the loving support and dedication of their wives, as articulated above in the heartwarming citations from Chazal. This depiction of the struggle for, intima for intimacy, with all of its emotional ramifications, fits right into the greater panorama we have revealed regarding the overall nature of the conflict in Mitzrayim. The sustainability of family life was the to be or not to be question. And now, from this overarching perspective, we can breathe entirely new life into the Maimar Chazal we started with this Mitzrayim. We were redeemed in the merit of these women who drew their husbands close. We now understand so deeply that the behavior of these women was not just some meritorious deed, valuable as that might be, some mitzvah, but went to the very neshama, the very soul of the struggle in Mitzrayim. This feminine endeavor sabotaged the entire objective of the oppressor, and therefore it is glorified for the eternity as the pivotal catalyst of Gaula, the power of the woman was the indispensable force which sustained the beleaguered family. She is the nurturer, the guardian angel of Jewish continuity. Here we have before us a statement of Chazal which we learned in our childhood. Unraveled before us in all of its harmony, connecting the dots, everything which lies behind it, the, an entire thematic understanding of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim based on a sensitive read of the Shmos text and its related Chazal. May we all appreciate the sanctity of Chazal, the beauty of our sage's statement, and what lies behind it. And with this Chazal in particular in place, may we all appreciate the Nashim Tzikanias, the righteous women who continue to live amongst us, who are so dedicated to husband and family in general.